Hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord. Your God. With all your heart. And with all your soul. And with all your strength. Deuteronomy 6. 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord. Your God. With all your heart. With all your soul. And with all your strength. Now I'm going to read here in 1 Samuel chapter 11. Um, you know, I want you to think today of that special place for you. That special place. You know, I think of many special places. One of my favorite places is uh, my grandfather's pasture. Now, Papa Reed was kind of a different fella. He kind of didn't get out much. They were old tomato farmers, and they, in fact, he was born even before uh, they took a census. He didn't even have a Social Security number. He never paid, get this, he never paid income taxes because he was born before that time. My mom said they always grew up in fear that they were going to come get them. The revenueers, yeah, but they had a, they had a, they had a, a, of course, a piece of ground where they uh, grew tomatoes and farmed uh, there in Van Zant County. And there's a place called the Bottom, and basically it's just the bottom where everything just kind of bottoms out down to Mill Creek. It's the only, it's the only creek or river that runs north in the state of Texas. And that creek never runs dry. In fact, in the spring, it'll flood, and it's a mess. And uh, But, you know, that's kind of been inherited into our family. My mother received that, and then kind of going on from there. But I love going there and standing up on top of that hill and looking down over that bottom and thinking about my grandfather and how hard he worked. And he cleared that land back before there wasn't any machines. He planted pecan trees and you know, put up all those fences, and, you know, back in the day, they didn't waste anything. But just thinking about that place, that's a special place where I like to go and stand on that hill with my, even now with my boys, and tell them about their grandfather, and tell them about times of old. And I know we've all got those special places. I want you to think about that special place for you. It may be a garden where you like to get alone. It may be just the back porch where you like to go watch the sun go down. Maybe something very simple. Maybe just your chair in the living room. I don't know where your special place is, but as we, as we think about this, and as we think about this passage here in 1 Samuel 11, I want you to realize that Gilgal was a special place. And so when Samuel invites the nation of Israel to go to Gilgal, that's, that's really a significant thing. And let me read here. We're only going to talk about several verses here, starting at verse 12 of chapter 11. The people then said to Samuel, Who was it that asked, Shall Saul reign over us? Turn these men over to us so that we may put them to death. But Saul said, No one will be put to death today, for this day... The Lord has rescued Israel. Verse 14, Then Samuel said to the people, 
Come, let us go to Gilgal, and there renew the kingship. So all the people went to Gilgal and made Saul king in the presence of the Lord. There they sacrificed fellowship offerings before the Lord, and Saul and all the Israelites held a great celebration. You have to understand the context of what's happening here. The nation of Israel is in transition. For 500 years, the nation of Israel had been ruled by the judges. And you can go back and read the, read the book of Judges and see that there was this cycle where the people became disobedient and then um, God began to bring an oppressor and then they would cry out to God and He would bring a judge to relieve them. And this cycle continued over and over and over and over. In fact, it was a downward cycle of how the people just continued to not get it right. You know, and at that time in the book of Judges for 500 years when they entered the promised land, there was no king. God was their king. God was their king. And so, you know, at that time, you know, plan A was that the people would be independently dependent. They would be independent, but be able to obey God in their heart. Because what mattered in the time of the judges was the law, the land, and the Lord. You know, and when they had God's, like we read here in Deuteronomy 6, when they loved the Lord, the God, their God, with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind, you know, they would, they would do what's right. You know, because they would have this internal compass that would lead them and guide them. But we see in the book of Judges that that didn't happen. Plan A didn't happen. In fact, you can read the last verse in the book of Judges and it says, And there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Instead of doing what was right in God's eyes, the concept of the law, the land, and the Lord, they got it wrong. And so uh, we see here in these chapters that Israel begins to ask for a king. Samuel was not a perfect judge. He was not a perfect prophet. He had two sons who had kind of strayed and were, and were uh, taking, um, taking profit off of some of the sacrifices and some of the things. And so Israel asked for a king. You can find that in chapter 8. Let me just read you some of this. First uh, Samuel 8, 6 says, But when they said, Give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you, for it is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. And they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt unto this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know that, the, that what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. You see, this is a warning and it's in fact God saying, okay, Israel, I'm going to give you what you're asking for. Sometimes it's dangerous when God gives us what we ask for and just lets us alone to go to our own devices. And so, anyway, we see here in in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 9, if you just walk through these chapters, that Samuel anoints Saul as king. 
And as we're going through this process here, Saul is anointed king. There is a new enemy that comes in. The Ammonites. Do you remember the Ammonites and the Moabites were to the west of Israel? And uh, you remember Moab was where Ruth went during the during the drought. Where you know where where uh, actually where Naomi went. They found Ruth during the drought over there on the other side of the Dead Sea. So the Ammonites are attacking, and they're once again this cycle is continuing. And here, instead of Samuel coming forth and fighting, which he did in an earlier chapter in delivering the people, now Saul will come in and step in as, as a king. And they defeat the Ammonites. And this, then we have this situation here in chapter 11. And so I want you to realize here that, first of all, that Israel was in a transition. And you can imagine, for 500 years, these people were set in their ways. And there was this division. There were folks that said, now wait a minute. Plan A is the law, the Lord, and the land. That's plan A. If we get this right, we won't need a king. Let's don't do this. And then there was the other side that said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're doing evil in the sight of the Lord and we're not obeying the law, so we need a king to enforce those things. Now, which one was right? Well, we'll see that God is still sovereign and in spite of their disobedience, God was still working out His will in their lives. Uh, and so we know that this was God's will now because we know that as we look back in retrospect that they had to have a king. There would be no King David. There would be no Jesus from the line of David if there was no king. So this was, in a sense, God's will. Um, but I want you to realize here, and notice here first in verse 12, the people said to Samuel, Who was it that asked, Shall Saul reign over us? Turn these men over to us so that we may put them to death. You see how controversial this is in verse 12? There's a division here in the nation of Israel. There's the side that want to set up Saul as the king, and there's the side that want to keep God as the king and leave the king alone. There's this division, and the people that are, are, are Saul supporters are saying, wait a minute, show us these guys who don't want a king and let's kill them. I mean, can you see the emotion here? Can you see the division here? It almost reminds me of what's happening in our country today. You know, there's such a division. There's such a chasm between, between people that, you know, there's no longer any discussion between either side of our nation politically. Now, I'm not trying to com compare the United States to Israel. We can't compare apples to oranges. You know, God had, this was a theocracy. God was working through Israel. So we don't want to make all those assumptions, but I want you to realize, just think about that division today. And, and so what's interesting here is that in verse verse 13, uh, that Saul, and look, I think Saul gets it right here. He said, but Saul said, no one will be put to death today for this day the Lord has rescued Israel. I want you to notice we always talk about Saul, we're always beating up Saul, but initially Saul gets it right. He gives God the glory and he doesn't say, okay, these guys who are not my supporters, let's, let's shoot them. You know, he, he gives people room and then Samuel steps in. And I want you to notice what he says. 
Come, let us go to Gilgal and there renew the kingship. That's verse 14. Samuel says, Come and let us go to Gilgal and there renew the kingship. Now, think about this. Gilgal, and what you need to understand, Gilgal is a special place. When you think about the Israelites, it's the place where everything began. If we were to make a correlation for us as, a, as living in the United States, it would be Plymouth Rock. That place where they came on the Mayflower and that the first time they got over. Gilgal was the place where the nation of Israel, you remember the story. You can look at the story in uh, Joshua chapter 3 where they crossed uh, the Jordan at, and during the flood plain and up, upstream there was, a, there was an avalanche that blocked the river and they walked through on dry ground. And so, and so that was where Gilgal was at, just a little bit from where they crossed the river. And so I want you to think about several things. I want us to go back to Joshua 4 and just realize there are times in our lives, especially when we're going through a time of division, where we need to go back. And we need to go back to those first places where God moved. And I want you to think about this in your life today. Where are those places where maybe God has, has, has worked in your life today? It may be maybe a time in your life when God spoke to you in a place that was so clear and so... Uh, so simple that you knew that you knew that you knew that it was the voice of God. Maybe it's even going back to your salvation experience. You think about going back, maybe, maybe it was a time in your marriage, you know, when God did something in your marriage, maybe an event or thing. Going back to that time. And so that's what we're doing here. So when we talk about going to Gilgal, we're talking about going back to that time and that place where the hand of God was on the nation of Israel more than ever. And I want you to realize, first of all, that this was a place of remembrance. Let's go to Joshua chapter 4, and let me just show you this. This was a place of remembrance, and I want to read this to you here. Um, this is after they crossed the Jordan, this chapter, and it says this. Let's look at verses 19 through uh, 24. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you, until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what He had done to the Red Sea when He dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So once you realize, first of all, this, this place called Gilgal was a place of remembrance. Now, what you think? Five hundred years had passed since they had passed over the Jordan, and I don't know if those stones, if that stone monument was still there, where they took those twelve stones out of the Jordan and made a monument there, or maybe they were just laying down in a heap. We have no idea, 
But I want you to think about that as they, as they all, as the whole nation gathered around there, and they looked back across that plain and looked down over that river, and they could see, they could, they could see, and they could maybe in a, in their mind kind of think about what a great, powerful thing that was for them to cross over the Jordan. They needed to go back and they needed to remember those things in their lives. And that's what that monument was for. And I want to just, I want you to just think about this today. Where is your Gilgal? Is it that place where you can go back and maybe maybe something that happened in your life that you need to go back to? That you need to go back to and once again think about what God has done in your life. Not only was it a place of remembrance, Gilgal was a place of unity, okay? I want you to realize, think about this, there's this division, king, no king, God's our king, Saul's our king, there's this chasm between the two groups, and they come back to Gilgal. Now I want you to realize, there was a miracle that happened there in that place. And I don't think the miracle was so much that the water you know, the flow of the water of the Jordan stopped. I mean, that can be explained. I mean, there are people that can explain that. That doesn't mean that it wasn't a miracle. But I believe the greater miracle that day was that two million people were in unity and they got up together and they marched across that Jordan together in unity. Now, now folks, if any of you have been in church long enough, you know that that is a miracle for people to get along, Right? But I want you to, I want you to think about that, about what a great what a great miracle that was and what a time of unity. You know, there was a there was an order of progressions. The Reubenites and the Gadites who had already got their land and the half tribe of Manasseh, they went before everybody. And then came the tribe of Judah and tribe by tribe by tribe, followed by the at the end the tribe of Dan. Each one of those crossed that Jordan while those while those priests held up that ark. So, you know, that was a place of unity. And I believe that was a great miracle. You know? And I think too as Christians today, God calls us to unity. You know, is it interesting? I think someday, and I'm not trying to make a parallel between the United States and between Israel, but I think sometimes we get our kingdoms messed up. You know, Jesus didn't make a lot of political statements. He never really said anything great about Caesar or anything bad about Caesar. He says Render under Caesar what's Caesar's and render under me what's mine. I mean, Jesus reminded them that His kingdom was not of this world. And I think especially in this election year, we need to be kind of careful. You know, because, you know, we need to ask ourselves the question, who are we identifying with more? Are we identifying with people who may agree with us politically? Or are we identifying more with our Christian and brother and sister who may not agree with us politically. It may tell us which kingdom, which kingdom we're living in, you know, but our kingdom is not of this world. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. One of the crazy things about being in the United States of today is, is this is one of the few societies where we really get a choice to choose. And we do have a responsibility, you know, to vote and, 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 and to discuss these issues. But I want you to remember that there is a greater principle here that's at work, is that we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. You know? And that's why, you know, when, when, when Satan offered Jesus all the kingdoms of the world, you remember that, Jesus knew that that would pale in comparison to the kingdom that he was going to get. 
And so, and so we need to remember that, especially in this election year when we maybe face a, a, a believer who may have a different set of political beliefs. You know, we may win the battle but lose the war. You know, and the kingdom of God is based upon love and upon servanthood and, you know, and, and, and all those things. It doesn't mean that we can't have our political beliefs, but we need to always remember that, you know, sometimes we get too vested in this kingdom that's here on earth. And I just want to keep that in context, and I want you, I'll let God uh, kind of direct you in that area. So it was not only a place of remembrance, Gilgal was not only a place of unity, it was a place of consecration. I want you to remember when they crossed that river, if you remember, all the men for generations had not been circumcised. And this was not a very good strategic idea as far as an army is concerned, but all those men were circumcised there after they crossed the river, when they were vulnerable to the enemy. But yet God wanted them to obey in that area. And so thinking about all those things, is there an area of our life that we need to obey? You know, those men uh, of Israel had to obey even though it made no sense from a strategic, from an army, from a war standpoint to be circumcised right before they're fixing to attack Jericho. You understand that? I mean, they were vulnerable to the enemy, but yet sometimes things don't always make sense to us. But just to realize as the, as, 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 as the nation of Israel came to put Saul in as the king to understand that, hey, I don't have to understand everything, but I have to obey what God is, seems to be leading me to do at this point. And seeing God was leading them to, be, uh, to, to, to coronate Saul as the king. You know, it was also a place of reflection. It was also, Gilgal was this place where they could look back and they could think about how far as a nation they had came. I mean, think about all of those battles. Think about all those, uh, you know, all the judges and everyone, all, everyone getting their lots and all the things and all the, all the work that they had done and all the enemies they had destroyed and yet all of the things that they hadn't done. You know, it was, a, it was a time of reflection, thinking how far God had brought them, but also how far they had to go. And maybe even a reflection of how far they had missed the mark. You know, it was also a place of resolution. Gilgal was this place, I'm sure, where, you know, you think about it, um, as they crossed that river 500 years previously, and as they thought about that, you know, thinking about, all of those Israelites crossing that river <coughs> with their enemies ahead of them. You know, it was a place knowing that there was going to be some tough things that they were going to face in their lives. And it was a place of, of resolution. And so I want you to think about this today. Very simple. It's important in your life to go back to your personal Gilgal. Okay? It's important to think about those times and go back and remember, reflect, renew your life, refresh your memory, you know, refresh your heart, working on maybe restoring unity with a brother, maybe someone that you need to forgive. Whatever that place is for you, I want you to think about that and I want you to, um, to go back there 
from time to time. Thank you for joining the podcast today. I'm Dr. Page, the best guy to see on the worst day of your life. Don't forget to like the podcast, subscribe, and to share with your friends. We'd be honored if you do so. Our goal is to help you see the opportunities that God brings in your obstacles. Until next time, stay focused.